April 16th on Easter Sunday, I get a call at five o'clock in the morning. My supervisor, good friend of 10 years, had shot and killed himself. Michael McSellers works in law enforcement. That phone call was one of the hardest moments of his life. And I was like, Lord, are you kidding me? I am done. I can no longer do this anymore. I was devastated. When my heart is torn asunder And my world just falls apart Lord, you put me back together And lift me up to where you are Michael McSellers is an officer and a chaplain with the Virginia State Police. And he's our guest on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. I'm Jim Kirkland. Phil Fleischman, who's normally with me, is out sick today. Michael spoke last year during a retreat for law enforcement officers at the Billy Graham Training Center at The Cove, which is just outside Asheville, North Carolina. His stories were so powerful that we wanted to share them with you. You'll also hear Billy Graham share some of his thoughts about the difficulties of being in law enforcement. There's a growing contempt for authority and for law. The hazards of police work are increasing. The police cannot fight crime and the public at the same time. We'll hear more from Billy Graham in a few minutes. And anytime you would like to hear more from Billy Graham, you can do so just by going to findpeacewithgod.net. Once there, you'll see a button that says, Hear More from Billy Graham Radio. Click that, and that will give you access to over 1,600 messages from Mr. Graham anytime you would like to hear them. The website, again, is findpeacewithgod.net. GPS. God. People. Stories. In listening to Michael McSeller's testimony, it struck us that it's probably best heard without interruptions. But before I step out of the way here, a quick reminder that Michael is both a police officer and a police chaplain, so he's had to deal with a lot of death, grief, and tragedy. And just so you know, this episode would be ideal to share with a friend or family member who's a first responder or otherwise in law enforcement. Think about that as you listen. With all of that being said, here now, Michael McSellers. Today I want to talk about, I want to share a little bit of my story, but also how God brought me out of that darkness. I was in a dark place, a very dark place. It really started from 2014, Ferguson. Really is when it started to impact me. I'm from Southern Illinois, East St. Louis. I got families in St. Louis. After Ferguson happened, there was just a lot of negativity in law enforcement. My phone was ringing off the hook for family members. They want to know my opinion. And I did not receive any warm and fuzzy feelings from my family because of my opinion was different than what theirs were. Then I go into New York. I'm dealing with that situation. January 2015, the officer Lou in New York gets shot and killed. I get a call from my department. We want you to go to New York to represent our agency to show support. Traumatic event. Traumatic event. After that situation, July the 3rd, 2015, in Virginia, we hosted the World Fire and Police Games. But while there, we had this officer by the name of Carlos Silva. He was one of the, he's participating in the bike uh, competition. He loses control of his bike, he crashes, and he dies. He lives in Brazil. He's here in a country, no family. He dies. I have to go 
to do an escort for his body. From the location of the morgue to the medical examiner's office. Very difficult, very emotionally on me because of the simple fact that this guy came here to compete with all these other fellow brothers and sisters in blue out of the country and he loses his life here. Not with his family, he loses his life here. And just the trauma of watching his, his teammates suffer through that process. So I had that. Nathaniel Smith, he mentioned, September 21st, 2015, one of my fellow troopers, he's tried responding to a situation that's a crash. He t- takes a curve, lose control, crashes, he dies. They called me up. I just got in the house from work. They called me up. Can you go meet Nathaniel's sister, pick her up, take her down to the family, and comfort them? I take, pick his sister up, take her down to his house, and I'm trying to comfort the family. At the same time, all these things, is just, it's like I forgot the, the weight of the world on my shoulders. I'm just taking all this stuff in. Thanksgiving Eve, I get a call at 5 o'clock in the morning. That there's a young man, the only son of a family, that was killed in a car crash the day before Thanksgiving. So now I have to go and do the death notification to the family. Now his father worked at the Pentagon. He was a colonel in the military. So I go to the house and I'm sitting there with his mother who was in disbelief that that was her only son. He's 22 years of age, her only son, and she had just lost him the day before Thanksgiving. Now, can you imagine that, losing your child the day before Thanksgiving? So I sit with that family for over three hours, and I'm just, just trying to love on them and comfort them. And I'm, once again, I'm taking those things in. I'm taking it in. I'm taking it in. I'm weeping. I'm stressed out now because all these things are just starting to take a toll on me. And after a while, it began to take a toll on me mentally, emotionally, and physically. It began to affect my relationship with my wife. It began to affect the relationship with my children. I'll never forget it one day. My wife looked at me and she said, sometimes it's like I don't even know you. My daughter, 16, she said the same thing. She said, Dad, sometimes I feel like there's something, that there's a wedge between us. And what happened was I built a wall. I wouldn't let them in. I was trying to keep a safe place, and I wouldn't let them in. My wife told me one day, she said, Sometimes it's like you're here, but you're really not here. And I tried to understand, what does she mean by that? She was saying that I was there physically in the house, but I had tapped out mentally to my family. All the trauma and all the things I was dealing with, when I walked in the house, I didn't want to have to deal with any other th- anything else. And my marriage suffered because of that. So here, this is when I knew it was time for me to really decide to take a break from work. I'm working one day, I got a crash, me and my wife, we're not doing really well. Um, family life is really difficult at the time. Financially, I interviewed four different times to get a promotion, highly qualified, highly ranked, didn't get the position, and I'm sitting there trying to figure out, God, why? Why am I not getting promoted? I want to take care of my family better financially. Not only do I want to take care of my family better financially, I'll have more time with them. I'll be able to spend more time with them. I'm trying. I, I should get this position. I, I should get the position, and I don't get the position. So all these things is going on at the same time, back to back to back to back. So one day I'm at work, May 17th, I got a vehicle crash. These two ladies, they're arguing back and forth. I get on scene. I didn't witness the crash. So I get on scene, and they're arguing back and forth. I'm trying to separate them. I'm trying to talk to them and trying to, you know, uh, and figure out what happened. And 
the one lady come up to me, she says, I got somewhere to be. You need to hurry up. And I'm like, okay, well, ma'am, I'm trying to figure out this situation. The other lady come to me and she said, you're picking her side. You're trying to, and she's beginning to yell and scream at me. And I remember sitting in my car and I began to weep. Tears just start coming down my eyes. But it was anger. It was anger. And I was so angry that I felt like I was about to lose control. And I realized that this is not a safe place for me and it's not a safe place for them. And I remember walking to my office and I walk into my office and I go in a supervisor's office and I sit down and I say, I am done. I can no longer do this anymore. And they sat me down and they're like, well, what's going on? I said, there's multiple things that have taken place. I just can't do anything, do it anymore. I have nothing else to give to the citizens of Virginia. I have nothing else to give to my wife. I have nothing else to give to my children. I have nothing else to give. I've given it all. I have nothing else to give. Where will you run my soul? Where will you go when wells run dry? And when the wind starts to blow, how you gonna keep this flame alive? So I go home and within about an hour, maybe two hours, three hours maybe, I get a knock on my door and it's one of my supervisors. And he comes in and he says, all right, let me have your, have your guns. Let me have all your items. And I remember my wife said to me after he left, she's like, man, how did that make you feel? And that made me feel terrible. I mean, I had been with my guns and everything for 13 years and to come and take my weapons, how did that make me feel? A couple of months later, like Jeff said, they take my car. And I got to a place where so, slowly but surely they begin to strip piece by piece by piece. And I learned something in that process. My identity was not in my job. That's what I did, but not who I, who I am. My identity is in Christ. Now, as I was out, things began to happen. I began to have nightmares. Before it got better, it got worse. I began to have nightmares of things I've experienced on the job from 2005, and it's 2016 that I thought I dealt with, but I never dealt with. Nightmares. I remember one day in the middle of the night, I'm sleeping, and I wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm beginning to cry and weep. My wife wake up, and she says, are you okay? Are you okay? She's like, let's pray. I felt like I was being tortured. One day, my wife was sitting down, and she was reading a book about a military guy who had went in combat, and he couldn't save his friend. While she was reading that book, I began to weep, because it took me back to a place where I arrived on a scene of an individual who was involved in a crash, and he was trapped. He couldn't get out. And I walk up to the vehicle and he's screaming, help me, help me, help me, help me. And I couldn't help him. And all of a sudden, the truck catches on fire. I go and grab my fire extinguisher. By the time I get back, I watch this guy burn to death. And I couldn't put the fire out. This is 2007. This happened. In 2016, I'm having nightmares. Hadn't even thought about it because I suppressed it. I eventually go back to work. Took a lot of prayer to go back to work. I go back to work. Within two weeks, I get a suicide call. I call my wife and I say, I'm en route to a call. The guy committed suicide. Please pray for me because I don't know how I'm going to respond to this situation. A couple of weeks later, April 16th on Easter Sunday, I get a call at 5 o'clock in the morning. My supervisor, good friend of 10 years, had shot and killed himself. And I was like, Lord, are you kidding me? I've been out of work for six months. And now I'm back in this office 
And my good friend shoots and kills himself. I was devastated. I go back to work a couple of days later, and my coworkers, they were struggling. I had one of my coworkers tell me, he said, man, I want to tell you something. I say, what? He said, you're my hero. I said, why do you mean I'm a hero? He said, because when you began to struggle, you didn't care what anybody thought. You didn't care what the perception was. You reached out and seeked help. And I remember thinking, I have to do something about this going forward. I have to do something about this. We cannot allow this continue to happen to our brothers and sisters in blue. So a couple of months later, I reached out to an organization called Honor Them. And they said, they said, would you mind, we heard your story, would you mind doing a video about it? And after I did that video, my Facebook messaging went out of control from police officers all across the country. They're sharing their stories. They're telling me about the trauma they've experienced that they've been getting to suffer. They're afraid to go in and talk about these things because they're afraid of the stigma that goes behind it. They're afraid if they go talk about it, their badge is going to be gone. Their livelihood is going to be gone. They're going to be looked at a certain type of way. That was the purpose of that. And out of that, I said, Lord, I said, I got to do something about that. I got to talk about these issues. I got to give, show that, you know, when you're in this job, there's a lot of things you experience. There's a lot of things you see that nobody should ever have to see. There's a lot of things that you hold on to that you don't want to share and open up about. And you begin to stuff, you begin to suffer through that. I ended up creating a podcast, Faith on the Force podcast. And the podcast was about for a place where officers can come and share their struggles that they're dealing with that may encourage other police officers. But here's the things I want you to know real quick. Here's things I remembered and so should you as I was going through from scripture. As I was in that dark place, as I was in that closet, as I was in there weeping to the Lord, please Lord take all these images out of my mind. He strengthened me. The Lord will strengthen you. It's okay to weep before the Lord. It's okay to go before the Lord and cry out to him. As a police officer, we have this, this, this thing up, and we feel like, you know, we can't do that, but it's okay to do that. There's hope. God never leaves us. He's with us the entire time. Jesus is the light of the world. Remember that. Remember John 8. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me would not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So how do you come out of the darkness into the light? I'll go through this real quick. Give everything that you're dealing with to God. Everything, work, home, whatever you're dealing with. Matthew 11 says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Spend time in prayer and reading your Bible. You must spend time with the Lord. The things that you're dealing with on a job, the things your wife dealing with, talk about it. Be willing to be vulnerable. Have to. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Understand that PTSD is real. It's a real thing. Know the symptoms. Nightmares. Sleeplessness. Loss of interest. Anger and inability. Feeling emotional cut off from others. Being always on your guard. Having trouble concentrating. Being easily startled. I experienced every single one 
of those symptoms. Loss of interest. Things that used to bring me excitement didn't anymore. Uh, things didn't make me, they used to make me happy, didn't anymore. There are several of you brothers and sisters that are here. That's your story right now, today. You're suffering and you're struggling. Your spouses are struggling because you're struggling. There's a safe place here. You don't have to put on a shield. You can kick it to the side. Today is a safe place. So what are you going to do after hearing this today? What do you do with it is up to you. See, God has ordained you to be here today. You're not here by chance. You was purposely brought here for a reason, and God knows. God has given you an opportunity to reconcile yourself to him today. Reconciliation today. He's given you an opportunity to forgive today, forgive others today, forgive your spouse today. And he's also given you an opportunity to reconcile your marriages, your families, and your relationships today. And give all your dealings with him today. can have that reconciliation with God today, right now. You don't have to pretend like everything in your life is okay. It's not. You don't have to hide behind a fake smile. You can honestly, truly confess your brokenness to God and surrender your heart to His Son, Jesus Christ. It'll be the start of a new life for you, a life filled with true peace and purpose. If you'd like to learn more about making that decision, Check out this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. The failure of our society today is its inability to maintain law and order. Billy Graham. People are turning on the police. Many of them act as if the police are their enemies. There's a growing contempt for authority and for law. The hazards of police work are increasing. The police cannot fight crime and the public at the same time. What's happened to the people these days? What is the basic cause of greed and hate and lust and crime? The Bible teaches that sin is our problem. It's not a poverty problem. It's not a race problem. It's a sin problem. And the thing that makes a man steal is sin. The thing that makes a man riot is sin. The thing that makes man a part of a mob is sin. There's only one cure for sin. There is only one way to transform man and give him a new nature, and that is by conversion to Jesus Christ. You can start a revival and a spiritual awakening today by making your commitment to Christ. If you haven't made a commitment to Christ, and that is on your heart right now, go to findpeacewithgod.net. Once there, you'll find resources that are absolutely free that will help you understand what it means to surrender your life to Jesus. That website again, findpeacewithgod.net. I'm Jim Kirkland. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it on Facebook or tell a friend about it, particularly those in law enforcement. 
Our thanks to Phil Wickham for his music and to State Trooper Michael McSellers for being on GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Good news.